When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Uh, today's a great day. Today's obviously a great day for our football program. It's great for our athletic department. I think it's great for our university, and it's really great for all of our alumni and the entire state of Nebraska. We have the privilege today of introducing the 31st coach in the history of Nebraska football, one of the best out there in Mr. Matt Rule. We're going to build a team that's tough. We're going to build a team that's hardworking. We're going to compete in everything that we do. There's not a game that I expect to ever walk into where we don't expect to win. We want to honor the people who take their hard-earned money. Like, it is such, it is not a burden, but a responsibility on me as the coach to know that there will be people from all across the state who take the money that they make with their hands and with their work and with, with, with just their daily toil, and they spend it to come watch our team play. And you know what? You can't win every game every year. It just doesn't happen. But you can certainly be a team that people are proud to watch. That's the type of team I want to be. From the spring game to a practice to a mat drill to a weightlifting session to a meeting, I expect our guys to be tough. I expect them to work hard. And I expect them to compete. And I expect that because I and my staff will do the same thing every day. I'll just finish with this. As we went through this process and there were bumps and hurdles and Trev had to overcome some things, you know, contractually and there were a lot of forces at work. Anytime, anytime things got difficult, my wife would look at me and she'd say, Admiral. She'd look at me and she'd say, Trev, trust the people. I trust them. I'm just so grateful that they trust me. Thank you so much. Um, Trev Alberts, the athletic director at the university... You heard from the athletic director of Nebraska, Trev Alberts, the new head football coach, Matt Rule, in the open there. It's Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from Hale Varsity Club, one of the best venues to stop by if you're looking just to catch a bite or uh, even a sporting event on TV. Hale Varsity Club is where we are. That's where you should be later on today. Alongside Damon Benning, I'm Andrew Rogers. DB, what a press conference that was. It seemed like the whole town of Lincoln showed up for it. Yeah, a lot of pageantry. <laughs> and I think moving it to Hawks from the uh, you know third floor was interesting because I wondered how it was going to go off. It's a, it was a ton of people. Um, a lot of former players, a lot of media, uh, just inviting so many of the donors and and uh, the f- the folks of influence. There was a lot of intrigue, and I w- I was pleased, man. It was it's exciting on a multitude of levels because you're looking for you know a starting point to say, okay, hey, listen. We're putting this behind us. We're moving forward. And I think that level of excitement 
peaked yesterday. Well, you, you brought up a great point there by talking about the mentality, and Matt Rule definitely stated that early on in his press conference. It's, it's about putting the past in the past and moving forward at this point one step at a time. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's the key. And he, he did a good job, I think, of acknowledging what, what was, but it's like I always like to tell people, and, and sometimes – you know, I have to have this conversation with a lot of my former teammates and guys older than me. And, and uh, you know, it's okay to embrace the past, but you cannot be held captive by it. Um, it's fine for it to be a benchmark, but it can't it can't stymie your growth, right? Like you've you've got to be able to move forward and evolve. And I and I think he did a good job of touching uh, and acknowledging, but letting you know it's kind of a new sheriff in town which I actually thought was kind of refreshing. You know, you could also tell that he was a, or is, a minister's son. When yeah, everybody there, says that, but I, that's such low-hanging fruit. Think about it, though. Wait, so I didn't realize it until the Q&A started, because when he was up there, it was like he was giving a TED Talk, right? Well, He was addressing don't, numerous how, Don't you know a lot of things. bad PKs? Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> Preacher's kids. Kyle, no. you're young. No. I, was, I thought you meant, like, penalty kicks. I'm like, I've seen no, some. No, like, I don't know. Kids. Yeah. I don't know hardly any. God, I know about three or four, and it's like. Do they all talk like that? No. <laughs> well, so. No, the ability. So then it's, a big, it's, it's kind of like a big thing to notice. Well, the, I'm saying the ability to command a room doesn't have anything to do with being a preacher's kid. No, but just the way that he talks. It, was like it, like he had modeled his dad. Yes, I could maybe see yes. that. Yes, so and that's what I was getting at when when he was talking about like you know becoming a winning culture again, and then uh, the ability to recruit uh, and recruit the right way and the product on the field, whether it's culture wise, defensively and offensively, kind of coherently going together. When he was going through every. Every word, I guess, it was like he was putting emphasis on the right words that I felt like I was in church. Mm. And why not, though, right? Because when you're in church, your full focus is on one person, Yeah, right? And he got the attention of the crowd. Yeah, obviously loving the church and and loving the classroom, spending a ton of time in the classroom. What I got was somebody that has taught. Teachers command presence. So the whole time, I didn't make the correlation of – of of what, you know, where he had come from or what had been modeled. The, the whole time I thought teacher. I thought clarity of message because that's what happens. Like when you listen to good speakers, that's what it is. It, you know what I mean? It does. It, All of them kind of run together. It, yeah. It, if they, you're a good they, speaker, they, you're a good speaker. You're a good speaker. <laughs> and, and I think his ability to to work sequentially and command – the command of his language, I felt like, was a big thing. It's an underappreciated skill set when you address the masses as a whole. But commanding your thoughts with language and words, uh, he's, he, he's an orator. He, you can tell that he is used to being in front of people talking. Because there, at no point did you get the sense that he wasn't in control of that room. Now, I wasn't here for the Scott Frost welcome, and I don't want to bring up bad memories, but put both of these scenarios in play here. You, you take Matt Rule's presser yesterday, you take Scott Frost's presser. 
which had a bigger response, or were they kind of the same? I felt like they were kind of the same. Um, and there, and some of the similarities, just my opinion, and, and I'm sure phone lines will let me know different or to the same. I feel like the level of excitement was maybe a little greater for Coach Frost, but the level of belief I can maybe understand that. a little higher for Coach Rule. That's kind of – now, this is 24 hours, and I haven't, like, thought thought about it. I'll but tell that, you what, that, though. I mean, I was standing right next to a, a, lot of, a lot of the fans, a lot of the boosters. I, I don't know. I could have been standing next to former players, for all I know. And uh, it, it seemed like everybody was fully engaged when it came to that belief factor that you're and, talking and, about. And I think and, – and no disrespect to Coach Rule, but I do think he, has an, he had an advantage – if you're comparing the two, which I don't, whatever. I mean, the question was asked. We're not really comparing the two. I'm, I was. I think there were buzzwords that Coach Rule could hit on because he knows where we were. Right. So when we're in the audience, we're listening for certain things to be different than what it once was. See, Coach Frost had established a baseline. And so we knew what we wanted to move to or from or whatever. So – it was easy to compare and contrast, right? I mean, with Coach Frost following Coach Riley, we didn't really care what he said. We were just enamored that it was him. So that's the, that's the difference, uh, in my opinion, as somebody that I'm not there to be entertained. I'm there to glean information. So that's – it's. I, I think sometimes – I'm not saying I listen different than other people, but I listen for different things and for different reasons. Because I've listened to some people that I think are tremendous coaches that aren't always great speakers and vice versa. So I, 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 I listen for what my takeaways were versus how I felt the delivery necessarily is in the room. I listen to Jim Harbaugh. You ever listen to Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. Jim Harbaugh does not give you the inkling that he is a tremendous speaker. But he does give me the inkling that he's a good leader because he has resolve. And he's, con he's got consistency in the message. But I'm not wowed by what he says. You know what I mean? Good coach, though. S he's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to really be wowed, yes. I know we kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of fluctuation so, so I think. Voice. So I think, I, I don't know. I, I, there were things that I think he hit on that really put me over the top more than just his presence and delivery because a lot of guys and gals can have that. I liked, I liked what was said and in the manner in which he said it. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting because I wasn't around for, for Scott Frost, you know, his first press conference, and I'm not going to pretend that I was around for that, but it's just interesting for me to kind of see the response now, knowing what people had to go through over the past five years, and to kind of just sit back in your chair and instead of looking defeated, kind of have something to latch onto now, mm -hmm. and I think that's not only important for a fan base, but it's important for the current players on the roster, the future players to come. It's yeah, important I'm to know that there's somebody here now that has a high ceiling, right? And that's Matt Rule. I'm glad you said you, you brought in the, the current players because I think 
some of us are a little too dismissive of the changing of the guard. It's depending on your vantage point. It's the dawning of a new day for some that have had relationships with those that they will no longer have relationships with on the immediate level. It's a different kind of handling of emotions, right? I, one of the things that you'll get from me sometimes is the player perspective, just because I feel like I have a good relationship with some of those guys. And as a former player who didn't have to go through, I only had to go through one real change. And that was going from Kevin Steele, Coach Kevin Steele, to Coach Craig Bull. And even that was difficult for me as a special teams guy because it wasn't what I was used to. So just imagine like a whole staff or having it done multiple times to you as a player. I, sometimes I, I, I think we're a little insensitive about what goes on with those guys. I mean, there are some g- tremendous guys that had relationships with, with Zach Duvall. With Zach Duvall is the strength and conditioning coordinator. He was mm-hmm. let go yesterday, and Dave Ellis, one of the greatest nutritionists that I know, was let go yesterday. That's hard for some of those players. And, and it's I not just the big guy. It's not just the head guy exactly, that goes. Exactly, exactly. And so what, it doesn't matter what we think of those people or what we think we know about those people. The, the, the players are the ones that know. And you saw a couple of guys clap back on social media about fans having opinions on guys that were let go. Caleb Tanner most notably was not happy with with some comments that were made about Zach Duvall and I'm just reading those things and I'm thinking yeah you have to be you have to be really careful about throwing stones with what we think happened because at the end of the day there's real people involved well it's a like, family it's like a family mentality real people involved uh, getting ready for a broadcast and uh in in Iowa City you know I could t- I could tell Zach's demeanor was different the last couple of weeks. And I simply asked him, I just went over to him and I said, hey, you know, I hope I haven't done anything to offend you. Um, I, I think the best of you. I just want you to know I love you. And he simply just looked at me and he said, it sucks, man. And he, he gave me a hug. I gave him a hug. And I thought, see, that's the reality of what goes on during these transitions that I think we kind of shove to the side. And I'm not dismissive of fans, but sometimes I have to take it with a grain of salt because it's very topical in terms of, we say, oh man, as a fan, I'm invested, I'm I'm invested, I'm invested. And you very well may be, but it is varying degrees relative to what the players and the staff are going through, right? So... It's not just as simple as, well, you needed to perform better or, well, you know, you, you should have coached better or, well, you should have done X, Y, and Even Z. Even though that's, that's it's the, a, it's the a, first thing that gets said. There's no question. And that's not without validity, but it does disqualify you in some instances to be able to say, well, I do blank too. Because you're once you separate that, that it's and about it's, the business, crazy. then you've removed yourself from the ability to relate to the players. It's crazy too because put, put yourself in just a normal job, right? Nobody's coming after 
we're right next door to to Cabela's. Nobody's coming after the sales associate at Cabela's saying like, "Why did you get fired?" Well, it's because you didn't do your job yeah. right. And but it's because you're in this high class position, a, a position that's limited to so few, and it, you kind of do take out that human element sometimes. Yeah. Whenever and, and it, whenever it comes down to situations. So like I this. so I say all that to say, Ar, that. When players and fans feel as though there's a disconnect, oh, we're different. No, man, I support you. I support you. No, it's different. Fundamentally, that's why it's different because it's easier for for those that aren't in it to remove the human element of it. Players aren't afforded that luxury. They just aren't. It's people that they work with and see every day that have invested in them. Right, I watched those guys set up breakfast. I watched those guys in the strength and conditioning room. I I watched those guys say, "Hey, listen, go to small group." I asked. I watched those guys say, "Hey, is everything good today?" So there's this transition period. I watched Casey in, in Charleston. I'm not. I won't get into the specifics. That's their business. As Coach Rule said, that that's their business. But it, there is a certain level of. Fear is not the word. Just embracing the unknown. You know, we all know what's coming down the pipe with the relationship and is there going to be a vibe there. Like, a lot of different things happened yesterday. But at the end of the day, you have to rest in the fact that the brass and the leadership got their guy and their guy has a clear message of leadership. We're leaving yesterday and he says, hey, well, I see you Friday. I ain't paying any mind. Well, they're out on the road recruiting Friday. Now, I doubt that the head man would be in Omaha, but if he was, that'd be pretty impressive. I just took note of the fact that he brought it up. <laughs> like, he'd know. Yeah. This didn't sneak up on him. Was that not clear yesterday? No. This did not sneak up on him. Yes. And I, think, and I think it's no, very it interesting with all the false reports and people panicking for no reason. I won't say no reason because it did get a little dicey with some contract situations and the specifics on money owed and being able to work with Carolina. Like, it was tricky. But I can't imagine doing that paperwork. How about Trev, like, going back, like, just sticking to his guns and the level of trust? Nah, this isn't dead yet. Let's go back and figure this out. It's great that you brought that up because it's kind of a situation that actually happened five years ago. Nebraska got the guy. They got the top guy, the guy that they wanted, right? Well, it's a similar case now that I would say it's a larger spread of coaches that you could have chosen from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at Matt Rule, they forked over a ton of money to this guy to bring him to Nebraska, kind of like how they forked everything to get Scott Frost to Nebraska. Now, it's, you know, as you look at the similarities, it's like, wow, you know, there are, there are those things out there like Nebraska went first, Nebraska got their guy. It's all about living they, up to that. They, now. they yeah, they so right because compartmentally, they stayed out of the fray. Right there are some other schools that have some. I mean, how would you like to be Auburn? Right? How would you like to be Wisconsin? Did Wisconsin? And it's funny what we think because if if we start with you go back six weeks and you say, "Hey, can Nebraska get Luke Fickle?" I said it. I said it to you. Luke Fickle would would be the most expensive to get right now. The season played out. Cincinnati kind of had the season that they did. Timing. 
who's open, who's not open, who went first, then all of a sudden Coach Fickle is available and kind of missed, maybe missed the big window, right? So timing is everything, but it's weird in retrospect if you go back and ask, would we have taken Fickle or Rule first and seven weeks for ago? For the most part, they're pretty similar. It would have been pretty – it would have been – it had been kind of neck and neck, right? But what are we today? We're extremely happy because it looks as though, it sounds as though, it smells as though we got our and guy. And when you buy into your guy, it's it, better that, than that, being second fiddle. It's all so the power of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's really what that's really what this right. is about. We got a great show planned ahead for you. It's the Big Ten Wrap. We'll be talking to people all across the Big Ten. Uh, we will. Next, go to Tom Deanhart in Purdue. We'll then talk to Ben Wargall of Badger Nation. We can talk a little bit about Wisconsin and Luke Fickle Absolutely. there. And then later on, we're talking to Angelique Shingalis, and she is uh, the Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News. But a fun show planned ahead. If you want to call in to the phone number, 888-638-4876. We'd love to hear from you and your initial thoughts from the press conference of Matt Rule. We have some sound bites queued up, right, Shanner? We're good over there? Let's... Listen to this, because something I found very interesting that he said in this quote, and I want to get your take on it. He was talking about recruiting. First order of business for him, and it's to continue evaluating the current and future roster. You know, the good teams are doing both. I think as your recruiting improves, uh, you see the really, really strong teams across the, uh, across the, the nation. There, there's, they probably have less transfer kids. Um, but I think right now the first thing we'll do is continue to evaluate the roster. Uh, we will leave no stone unturned to find good players. Uh, they come in all shapes and sizes. We will take the walk-on program seriously. We'll take transfers seriously. We'll take NIL seriously. You know, when I talk about all in, that's 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 making sure that we have the money to go do the NIL at the level that the teams we're competing against do it at. So uh, we will look at we will look at everything. We just won't sacrifice the ideals and the integrity of the program. You know, uh, the guys that come here. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a young man wanting to make some money. You know, there's nothing wrong with a young man wanting to make some money off his ability. Um, every one of us, we want to be valued and we want to be compensated financially. There's nothing wrong with it. The piece that I wanted to take away there, DB, was right at the beginning when he said that good teams use less and less of the transfer portal. Yeah. And, like, I actually sat back in my chair yesterday and thought, I never really thought about how little Alabama uses the transfer portal or how little Clemson uses the transfer Absolutely. portal. Absolutely. Uh, listen, that I, separates these teams. Like, that's it. That's the pinnacle. That's what you need to get to. Do you remember the conversation we had with Nicholas Allenbaugh? And I said, gosh, it is amazing when I look at football and I look at basketball and I look at the transfer portal. It seems to be, and the easy answer would be, oh, basketball has fewer players. But along the same vein, it would be easier to be more disruptive if the pieces don't fit in basketball than it would football because in football, you have more water, so it's harder to taint. Football almost, it doesn't work like that. With the, exceptional, with the exception of the quarterback and maybe a wide receiver if you're a Jordan Addison type, but those are rare unless it's a quarterback. The portal is just, it's, a, it's kind of a plug-in place, not even a plug-in play. It's a lot of times to give you numbers, 
and not so much sometimes value. It is and Nebraska got fascinating out of the portal. It is fascinating how the portal has worked, and they have done their due diligence to do it now to filter it. Now they also have some Drews and some wins and and some guys, some Kane Williams that haven't lived up to the billing so much. But you say what you will about Mathis, uh, Trey Palmer, obviously. I, Casey Thompson, they've had some guys. I just, I think football is fascinating. That the bulk of what you do has to be done in your own house. Our full question of the day, as Matt Rule is putting together his coaching staff, what's your current concern level with Mickey not being on it? Extremely, moderately, a little, not at all. We'll get into that a little bit later. Go to Hale-Bernstein Radio's Twitter page to vote there. Coming up next, it's Big Ten Wrap on a Tuesday. We'll bounce around the Big Ten, talk to some of our favorite insiders. Tom Dienhart, next on Hale-Bernstein Radio. Sawinski in motion. O'Connell, they're going to bring a blitz. There's a pass caught. Payne Durham dragging a tackler close to the goal line. What's the call? Is he in? Yes! Touchdown, Boilermakers! Payne Durham with the touchdown reception. As Purdue beat the all-out blitz, Aiden O'Connell took a hit. Tom, thanks for joining us. How are you doing this morning? <clears throat> Not as good as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. TD, how are you? Well, you're playing for a Big, you're playing for a Big Ten title. We just got a great coach. Not man. only that, basketball's in the top five right now. Listen, even Steven or what, Tom? I don't, every time I hit my, my Twitter timeline, is Matt Rule stuff. <laughs> <laughs> trending this, trending that. Yeah, tour, yeah. No, I know it's exciting times. You're right about Purdue, though, right? A lot of longtime uh, program watchers or school watchers cannot recall, like, I guess about a seven-day period of as rousing as, as what they just experienced with the basketball team. Of course, as you mentioned, the football team guys headed to Indianapolis for the first time ever to play for the Big Ten Championship. Those are some words I never thought I'd utter. TD, let me ask you something. You and I have talked about Jeff Brom a ton for years, and it's like I almost got the sense with Boilermaker Nation it was he does just enough to not have you get mad enough to have to do something different. When you look at this season, you started with no wide receivers. You lost a great co-defensive coordinator who was actually the guy. You kind of did it the hard way. Kenny, is he going to get some credit, or is it because of what Iowa didn't do? What's the perception? I think he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's widely uh, I think respected among the fan base. They appreciate what he's done. They realize where this program was at before. 2017. It was a, it was a train wreck, right? And he came in and won right away. There, there have been some ups and downs, as you would suspect. Building a program at a place like Purdue is not easy. It's not a destination for recruits or for for super talented coaches. But Brahms are a real good fit here from a personality standpoint. I think over time he's come to appreciate again that fit. Uh, but I will say this, guys: there is always that elephant in the room with him, right? Is he gonna go to Louisville? It's almost seems like <laughs> it, it, you know it's almost like it's almost like an inevitability, right? It's not if; it's just a matter of when. But when's it gonna happen? And everybody thought, well, this is going to be the year they're gonna fire Scott Satterfield, and Jeff's gonna go home and answer the siren song of his alma mater. But it doesn't look like that's gonna happen, right? And here we are, another feather in Brahms' cap. Uh, and you're right; uh, he's uh, he's a heck of a game planner, a heck of a schemer, man. Tom, this is a game 
that is David and Goliath. I don't know if there's any other way to put it, and I'm sure you guys recognize that over at Purdue. People are giving you a slim chance of winning this football game. But inside looking out, how have the boys been embracing the underdog mentality this week? I think pretty good. We're going to talk to more of them on, uh, well, today and then on Wednesday. We have our access to the offensive guys today and then the defense on Wednesday. So you're telling me Purdue's an underdog, huh? <laughs> I, you know what? There's some birdie that told me that. <laughs> 16 and a half points. You know what's funny? I'll throw something at you that they had in the notes yesterday. Jeff Rom is 3-0 and against top three teams in his Purdue tenure. Uh, remember, he beat, the, beat Ohio State in 2018 mm-hmm. in that Tyler Trent game. And then last year, he beat number two Iowa in Iowa City, and he beat like a top three Michigan State team. They came rolling into West Lafayette last year, rolling. I think they're right. No, Purdue beat him. So I guess what I'm trying to say is no moment's been too big for him. He's had a way of stepping up in these marquee matchups. Now, this test obviously is a huge one, right? I mean, this is a Michigan team on a mission, <clears throat> playoff bound, and uh, playing very well. We all saw it in Columbus last week. So this would be a titanic upset if, if somehow, some way, Purdue were able to to pull it off it's going to take the perfect game in a lot of different areas now unfortunately in a barn burner i think nebraska was his coming out party but you got to walk me through the emergence of crazy legs like what <laughs> i i gotta talk to me about Maccabi and what he's meant for tough toughness with this purdue ground game you can appreciate it damon and uh, he's been everything it's been one of the, the most enjoyable stories I think this program's had in the last 20 or 25 years. Uh, yet another walk-on success story, right? And this guy's really given teeth to a running game at Purdue that usually is toothless. Uh, redshirt freshman from Southern Indiana. Was going to go to Navy. Purdue came in late, said you can walk on kid, and he was thrilled to death. And he's, he's the real deal. I keep waiting for this to this dream to, to, yeah. to pop in this. And they're not to be true, but you know what, there's nothing really physically impressive about him. About six feet tall, 190, he's not overly muscular. He's not a sprinter. But he just has that knack. Chris Barkley, the running backs coach, calls him soap. He's slippery. And he dies hard, guys. He dies oh, yeah. hard, as I like to say. And he can cut. Watch him cut. So he just has that knack. Maybe you can explain it, Daniel. But he just has that knack. And uh, you watch the film, and, and you can see he's easy to pick out. And, again, he's, he's made that offense that much better, giving it some balance. When you're taking a look at Purdue's offensive versatility, obviously, uh, Charlie Jones is the man. You've, you've gotten enough touches for Payne Durham to keep that offense honest. Is, what's the missing complement to give you a chance in Indianapolis? Is it simply getting enough stops against the run, or is there an offensive piece that you need that you'd like to see emerge? They need a, a yin to Charlie Jones-Yang, a wide receiver. Yeah. They've ne- never had a number two receiver. Nobody's stepped up, guys. Uh, losing David Bell early hurts, obviously. And they had another kid named Milton Wright, who was going to be probably the number one guy. He flunked out of school. And then another kid named Brock Thompson, who was the MVP of the bowl game last year, has been hurt basically all season. So, yeah, you know, Charlie Jones is, has his numbers, and he's had his moments. But by and large, it's a pretty pedestrian group of receivers. They really struggle to get open. They struggle to get separation. Very limited. So when you're going against the Michigan defense, guys, you've seen it. The secondary's good. And 
Purdue's going to have to hit some big plays if they want to win, and that's going to be hard to do with what I think is a receiving core that, by and large, is pretty average outside of Charlie Jones. And our hearts go out to not only the Purdue community, but Aiden O'Connell and his family, too, and the difficult time that they are are experiencing right now and losing uh, his older brother. Coach Brom did say that he will play on Saturday. Mm. How have the guys in the locker room rallied around him during this difficult time? Yeah, you know, I, I, Coach Brom, like you said, talked about that yesterday. I asked him at first. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure, you know. I mean, this is a big deal, obviously. Yes. That's, man, I can't even imagine trying to play a football game in a focus. So he said he's going to play, like you said. Uh, there was a chance he wasn't going to play last week, but he gutted it out. He's still not on campus as of yesterday, obviously at back home attending to family matters. And Jeff Rahm said, yeah, Jeff, you know, he said that just being around your teammates at a point in time like that can't help you, right? And uh, he thought there was some convalescence there to be around your teammates to help kind of rally you through this difficult time. And We'll see. Things change day to day, right? Sometimes the, the, the real reality of things sink in over time as, as it marches on. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure we'll ask some of the, his teammates today how they think he's doing here moving forward as they head toward a Saturday in that big game in Indianapolis. Tom, we'll get you out of here on this. And I want to talk about Aiden O'Connell because I think he's underappreciated. He's a veteran. He's thrown for over 3,000. He's a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception guy. And He's the, he's the straw that stirs that drink. There's no doubt about it in that offense. Historically, he's playing for a Big Ten championship as a 28th-year senior. <laughs> what's what, what's it meant? For him as a, as a, as as a, play, a player, yeah. I think he's going to leave here with a place to produce cradle of quarterbacks. Mm. And I think that's a mouthful when you consider who's, who's taken snaps here over the years with you know, Jim Everett and obviously Drew Brees and Kyle Lorton, Lynn Dawson, Bob Greasy, mm. Mark Herman. I, I think he, he's going to have a spot alongside all those guys. And that says a lot for a kid who got there in 2017 as a skinny walk-on from suburban Chicago who was about eighth string. <laughs> and crazy things happen in life, right? He kept his head down and kept working. He looks up, and all of a sudden he's starting. <clears throat> now he's going to leave here as an all-time great. So just another fun story, right? And if you guys ever get a chance to talk to him, he's he's even a better person, the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to marry. But he's already married, right? He married about yeah. half players this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just it's been a great, fun story, and it's just unfortunate we're seeing it punctuated by him having to deal with this tragedy here. Tom, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for hopping on with us, and good luck on Saturday. PD, next time it'll be hoops, buddy. Hey, I always love talking to my new class people. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom. Coming up next, we'll continue the Big Ten Wrap with Ben Morgel, publisher and editor of Badger Nation. We'll chat the new head coach and also a little hoops action with him next on Hale Varsity Radio. Radio powered by Currency alongside Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. On the phone, Ben Wargle, publisher and editor of Badger Nation. You can follow him at the 
Badger Nation on Twitter. Ben, we appreciate your time this morning. How you doing? I'm well. How are you guys? Good, very, very good. 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 Good to talk to you. Badger Nation must be responding uh, well to seeing Luke Fickle for the foreseeable future, aren't they? Yeah, I think it was an interesting press conference. I think Luke Fickle, you know, these press conferences are, you know, they are what they are. You know, you've been to a lot of them in Nebraska. We've been to quite a few of them here in Wisconsin here as of late. And, you know, it's easy to win the press conference. It's kind of what you do in the field. And I don't think Luke Fickle blew anyone away yesterday, but certainly he... He said all the right things, the things that you wanted to hear uh, from Luke Fickle. And we also got to hear from Chris McIntosh, too, about his reasoning of why he went with uh, Fickle instead of Jim Leonard, who was uh, beloved by a lot of the fan base and beloved by most of that locker room. So, um, you know, interesting hire. I think a home run hire by a lot of accounts. Have a hire that came out of left field by a lot of people who were trying to figure out who the next head coach was going to be. I don't think many people had Luke Fickle on that list. I think a lot of people are encouraged by this hire. They think it's a great hire, and they're excited to see if Luke Fickle can turn around this program. Ben, can you look at it like this? Because I, a lot of people wanted Luke Fickle last year. They thought he may leave this year. He settled in, so he was kind of a, an oh, by the way, but not an afterthought. When he became available, would this is this an optics thing? Like, let's say Fickle was on the open market and Wisconsin got him. It would be viewed a lot different than kind of it looks last minute, even though it may or may not have been, and it's at Jim Leonard's expense. Let's not forget, Fickle was a hot commodity over the last 16 months. Yeah, he was the consensus national coach of the year last year, you know, taking a, a group of five school to the college football playoffs for the first time that's ever happened. And, you know, he's a program builder. He took over a four and eight Cincinnati program over the last five years. They've won 50 games, um, a bunch of conference championships in there. And certainly, like I mentioned, going to the college football playoff last year, you know, Fickle said that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't job hunting by any stretch of the imagination. He was very comfortable at Cincinnati, but him and his wife had a list of schools that if those schools came calling, they would have to seriously consider. Um, those were the type of schools that had the right fit from a uh, their programs aligning with values, uh, place to live, um, facilities, um, all sorts of things that go into uh, what a head coach decides where he wants to move. Now, Pickle didn't obviously say what the list was, but he said Wisconsin was on that list. And, you know, Chris McIntosh interviewed Luke Pickle from what we've been told um, about three weeks ago when Wisconsin played at Iowa, so the week before the Wisconsin-Nebraska game. And as, as last week went on, Chris McIntosh made the decision to go after Pickle, and by, by Sunday morning the deal was pretty much done. Yep. Go ahead. Man, it's interesting. I, I always wonder the consistency of Wisconsin so long under Alvarez, and it was steady Eddie, and it looked a certain way. And you're a couple years removed from Barry. The it was strange with Chris. We figured Leonard would be the guy. It's not. Is this the time? Do you look at it as transitioning into the new fill in the blank or? Can we still get back to what has historically been the Wisconsin way? I think you can get back 
to the Wisconsin way. And it's a lot. I, I watched Matt Rule's press conference yesterday, too. And I think there's a lot of similarities between yeah. how Matt's going to approach the Nebraska job and how Luke is going to approach the Wisconsin job. And that's re, it's adding toughness back. I think Wisconsin at, at times this year was was not the more physical team. And that typically was not the case under Barry and even Brett. And even early in Paul's tenure, I mean, Wisconsin was a physical, run-dominant football team, and then the past complemented that. And over the last couple of years, it's gotten a little muddled, and that's the reason why the scoring average has gone down. I mean, you look at where they were three years ago when they went to the Rose Bowl with Jack Cohen, it's just been kind of a steady downturn ever since. You know, you have the COVID year, but they didn't play very well during the COVID year. They were 4-3. and three. You know, last year they were... They were nine and three, which is a great record. Until you look at uh, look at where their losses were. Now, they were nine and four. Excuse me. You look at where their losses were. They got they looked very poor against Penn State, ranked team. They looked terrible against Notre Dame and Michigan, ranked teams. And with a chance to go to the Big Ten title game at Minnesota, they were out physical by Minnesota. So your your toughest opponents on the roster, you don't play well against. And then this year, you know, we all saw what happened from a very early on. There was no, there was no rhythm offensively, and that's supposed to be Paul Chris kind of bread and butter. And for whatever reason, the message, the recruiting, whatever, had just gotten stale, and Wisconsin was kind of stuck. There was a very a lack of imagination, and so I think that's part of the reason why Chris McIntosh went with someone who is outside the cuts of Wisconsin. Right? I mean, look. Barry Alvarez leaves. He appoints his defensive coordinator, and Brett Bielma. Um, Brett Bielma leaves. They go with Gary Anderson. They go with an outsider for two years, and it didn't work. And Gary decides to leave. And they, what they do, they bring back they bring back Barry's offensive coordinator and, and Brett's offensive coordinator and Paul Crest. And it's worked. For the majority of the time, it has worked. But over the last three years, without college football has changed, Wisconsin really hasn't kept up to a degree. There has there has been a disconnect by what Wisconsin has done really well and what Wisconsin is doing now. So I think Luke Fickle is going to adhere to that. I think he's going to not overhaul the entire Wisconsin offense or the entire Wisconsin approach. But I think he's going to build upon, bring some different ideas, some different schemes, and just do some different things to try to get this team moving back in the right direction. Yeah, this is interesting. This is kind of bizarro world as a as a radio talk show host. I just happen to have a kiddo that Wisconsin is recruiting pretty hard. You talked about vision and doing some things differently on the recruiting standpoint. He, my son, was obviously had a great relationship with and Coach Hansbro and Coach Leonard in particular. When you look at some of the feedback from the fan base, a lot of it is about recruiting. When you look at Coach Fickle and what you think that plan may be, is it a fit for what Wisconsin is about and the academic standards and the admissions and the whole kit and caboodle? Did, did you get the sense that Coach Fickle has a good plan or a good sense of what that entails? Yeah, he talked a lot about recruiting when he met with the media um, uh, yesterday. And, you know, he, he talked about a 300-mile radius around Wisconsin. That's going to be kind of the, the main focal point. And then certainly the 50-mile radius and keeping good in-state talent in-state is a key. And I think that's kind of gotten away here the last couple of years with some of the, the premier talent in-state has, has kind of wavered a little bit. Some have gone elsewhere, but it's just – 
it's one of those things where Fickle wants to be a program that develops high school talent, and that's very Wisconsin. Mm. I mean, that's been Wisconsin for years and years and years. He says he's not a big transfer portal guy. He will use the portal as needed, but he wants to sign 20 to 25 kids each and every year, bring them in and develop them. And I think that was music to Chris McIntosh's ears <laughs> because that's typically what Wisconsin has done and what Wisconsin has great success with. And Wisconsin hasn't been a big, hasn't been a big portal school. They were big last year because they had to remake their entire secondary. They didn't have a lot of depth there. And I think for the most part, it worked. It worked fairly well. You know, they haven't done a lot of other moves here and there, but, you know, it's prevalent. It's there. And I think the portal is great because you're going to have misses in recruiting, right? Not all 20 kids you sign are going to hit. And sometimes you're going to have a gap in your roster, and the portal allows for a quick fix if the fit is right. And that's what – and that's what Fickle said. Now, they brought in transfers at Cincinnati, but they have like a little matrix that they use. And as long as that player fits all the different boxes that is important to the University of Cincinnati, then they went after the kid. And I think Fickle's going to do the same thing at Wisconsin, but they're not going to bring in 10, 15 portal kids a year. They want to bring in kids from the Midwest. They'll dabble in some other spots. They probably will dabble in Florida and the East Coast a little bit because those areas have been generally good to Wisconsin and Spurks. But it's going to be a Midwest-based recruiting philosophy. And Fickle knows that well from being at Ohio State and recruiting for them for a number of years and certainly the last six years at Cincinnati. Ben, got about a couple of minutes here. I want to transition to the hardwood quickly. Ch- Chucky Hepburn is a fan favorite for this area. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. it, he's, he's fun to watch, and he's fun to watch up in Madison, too. But, you know, as Wisconsin searches for their second straight Big Ten championship, uh, how have you seen Chucky Hepburn develop from year one to year two? Well, Chucky has gone through a very tough shooting year yes. at this point, and I think that there's a little bit of a Johnny Davis hangover with this team because Johnny was so prevalent with the offense last year. It was kind of the Johnny Davis syndrome, right? In a big game, you just pass the ball to Johnny and let Johnny work. Now you don't have that luxury anymore, and so you need everyone else to kind of step up and shoulder some of the burden. And I think a lot of that burden is falling on not just Chucky Hepburn, but on the other two returning stars and Tyler Wall and Stephen Crawl. And Hepburn played very well in the opener, but then for the last handful of games has really struggled with his shot and struggled making layups too, which is very unchucky like But the last game against USC down in the Bahamas, he played very well, had, had I think, uh, 18 points a season high. He was active defensively. He made a big steal to really clinch the game for Wisconsin. Hopefully it's kind of a turning point for him. Um, Wisconsin plays Wake Forest tonight in Madison, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Chucky is a huge part of this team. He needs to be the focal point of this team because he's the point guard. He's the most experienced guard on the roster that they have. He's, he'll be fine. I think the staff feels very confident in him. They want him to be more aggressive this year. I think Chucky's still working out the balance between what's a good shot and what do, when do I need to take over. Just that balancing act that Wisconsin and the entire team has to take without a guy like Johnny Davis or Brad Davidson on the roster this year. Ben, you're the best. We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. Enjoy your day. Thanks, Ben. Take care, guys. Ben Wargold, publisher and editor of Badger Nation. Next, we go back into Matt Rule, and we want to hear from you. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought of the press conference. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. 
think the first step, you know, they're really talking steps. I, you know, and I'm not saying they're not there right now, so I, I don't want to ever say that. I think the first thing is that just that we are those three things that I talked about, like that we are really a tough team. That um, you know, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances, we do what we say we're going to do and get it done. That that this offseason that we work really, really hard and, and that we compete. You know, you can you can sometimes in football um, get so caught up in the results that you forget the process. And so I think if you're those three teams, then the, if you lose by two or you lose by 20, it's the same thing you lost. And sometimes we you know we fool ourselves into like, oh, it's a close loss here, it's a close loss there. You know, this game you go out each week with a, a mission, you either win or you lose. And so you know, I want to win as many games as possible, but I want to win the right way. And so the way for me is is to make sure that that the things that I talked about in this press conference, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage, not beating ourselves. You know, I'll, I'll talk about winning the turnover battle. If we do those things, then the re- results will take care of itself. I, like every other uh, Cornhusker fan, uh, want to go to a bowl game. You know, I, I don't want to play just 12 games. Uh, I want to go to a 13th game and then that you know to me that's that should be the bare minimum and then I want to compete for the Big Ten Championship I want to compete for national championships um, I just don't think we have the right to talk about that right now here today that's head coach Matt Rule from his press conference yesterday out in Lincoln talking about his expectations for this season and that's why we, we led with this clip for a reason, because we want to hear from you. The number one rule, I know I'm getting creative when I'm saying the number one rule here, heading into next season should be what for Matt Rule? Or the number one priority that he should be looking at going into next season? Give us a call, 888, the phone number here, 888-638-4876. Again, 888-638-4876. Let us know what you think. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio. DB, what do you think? Uh, you know, there's a lot, but I, I, I'll start with what, ha- what has to happen up front. What I think Nebraska has to get back to identifying and developing what happens up front. They can't win without it because they won't have dynamic enough skill to offset mediocre play up front. And so... I've said this before, and I've, getting a, I've gotten a little pushback, but I think historically, if you look at Nebraska's football program, what it's achieved versus where it is and what its population is like, you could easily make the case it has overachieved. The number of national championships with a state that has hovered the majority of its playing time, so I'm not talking the last 40 years, around a million and some people in the state is nothing short of amazing, if you go back to the 1800s. So I want to be clear there. Doesn't mean you can't have those aspirations to play for conference championships, but you could make the case that they've maximized given the locale and, and where they are. So what I'd like to do is, The best way to give yourself a chance to have success in the long haul is to develop up front. You have got to say out loud and thank the Lord that Coach Rule is a developmental coach. You have to say out loud you're a developmental program. And if you're a developmental program, because what it does, AR, is it creates a mindset. It creates a worker's tough mindset. So for all the skill that some folks think I played with that was pre-me and 
For every Mike Rogier, there's a Harry Griminger or a Dean Steincooler or a Dave Remington. Talented guys, but tough guy. Jim Scow, tough guy. John Perella, tough guy. Larry Jacobson, he's a big guy, but he's a tough guy. Rich Glover, tough guy. So there has to be this blend of Abdul Muhammad, extremely talented, way tougher than he is talented. I mean, the guy ruptured a spleen and was fighting to get back in a bowl game. So that's that's number one for me, and I think that's what he's going to be about. And I'm telling you, in the Big Ten West in 2022, in 2023, that will be enough to give you a chance to play for division titles. It doesn't have to be any. I mean, are you looking at Iowa or Purdue or Wisconsin and saying, whoo, boy, talent galore, man. Look at those skill guys. No. You're like, oh, shoot, gap scheme. I mean, how we stop Mo Ibrahim. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's out there. And, and, I, and I think that's number one. You have to get back to developing up front. Great minds think alike. You and Matt Rule in this instance when it came to building a culture, winning the rep, and playing complementary football. We've always built a culture of defense. Um, I've tried to always offset that, you know, on the other side by, you know, trying to run the football and be physical on offense. Things that we got done at Temple and Baylor at a pretty high level. Um, but I think everything's important. I, you know, I really do. When, when Trev says complimentary football, I just think what you're saying is that every single play counts. And in, in today's world where we all get pulled in so many directions, trying to teach the team that, you know, everybody just needs to go out and win the rep. If everybody wins the rep, forgets the play, what's next, win the next rep. So, I'm, you know, I'm passionate about the game. I love offense. I love defense. You know, uh, I love special teams. And I think that's why, you know, I try to hire staffs that are great teachers, have lots of energy. Follow that up with living up to the standard. Player development is a strength of Matt Rule. But we will look at everything. We just won't sacrifice the ideals and the integrity of the program. You know, uh, the guys that come here, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a young man wanting to make some money. You know, there's nothing wrong with a young man wanting to make some money off his ability. Um, every one of us, we want to be valued and we want to be compensated financially. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but they have to also want to be here for Nebraska and they have to want to be here for their teammates and they have to want to win. And so when you find guys who want to come here, who want to develop, who want to get a degree, who want to serve and impact the community, who want to win, um, those are the guys that I want to make sure that we, uh, we uh, take care of uh, financially when we can. And I, I know the way it works is the collective, not me. I don't mean to say we ain't get in trouble, but you I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, and you know what? I think it's a great incentive for young people to come in and play well. And, and, and uh, the, the better you play, the more things that you do, the more opportunities that you have. And that, that's really kind of the American way. You know, the more you do, the more you get. And so um, we'll embrace all of that. Mm. We understand what you're saying, Matt Rule. Or do you understand what he's saying? I absolutely understand what <laughs> now, he's saying. Now, he also said, though, he wants players that will be here for Nebraska. It's not just the on-field product, but it's also everything else that goes along with it. And the tradition of being a premier Nebraska athlete. You're going to give me the stand on my soapbox, so I'm going to try not to. But I'm telling you. Anybody that knows me knows that I've said this ever since I've been doing media. You have, I understand coaching relationships. And I'm seeing it firsthand with recruiting. 
hey, this coach is really good at this, and hey, this coach is really good at this, and this coach said this, and I'm like, hey, listen, kiddo, better be more than about that that coach, and it better be more than about that relationship with that coach. What is the big picture of what you ultimately want to represent? Because at no point did I ever say, man, you know what, I'm going to the University of Tom Osborne. And Coach Osborne did not want me to say that. He would always say, play for the end on the helmet. We say the same thing at the high school level. I say the same thing at the youth level. Your 1 of 11 is an embodiment of the institution that you're playing for. And until that's the most important thing to you, it is very hard to function unless you're uber talented. Take all the variables out of it and believe in something bigger than you. And if you want to be it, there's something that happens when you're not the most important thing going, right? Like, if I have your best interest at heart and we're co-hosts, the show will be just fine. If you have my best interest at heart. Which I don't. Well, that, and, you know, hey, hence the start that we're off to, right? <laughs> I'm just so kidding. Total, total but joke. But you, you know what I mean, though? It's like, if it's about you, it. It just doesn't work over the long haul. I don't know any relationships that can function like that, let alone with 130 guys and gals on a staff and a team that have to work together. If it's just about you, there's no long-term sustainability in that. And you talk about players, but I think it carries over to coaches too. No question. And in this, in this instance, it, it allows me to tie it back into Mickey Joseph and why I think he should still be on this staff. I can't say it enough. This is somebody that not only – he doesn't coach for himself. He, he could do that anywhere he wants to do it. But he's in Lincoln for a reason, and you don't want to give him a reason to go. Mm. So Mickey not being on staff – is cause for concern to me. And I'm going to tie this back into our poll question today, which was as Matt Rule is putting together his coaching staff, what's your current concern level with Mickey not being on it yet? And when I look at the poll results, it's, it's kind of even across the board when you go from extremely all the way down to not at all. Extremely is 29.5%. Moderately is 21.8%. A little, 27.6%. And not at all, 21.2%. You want to know what I think has swayed that poll just a minute before I let you finish your yep. thought? Matt Rule's press conference yesterday. And he did allude to the fact that he was going to talk to Mickey. And he was so good, you feel like... I think you left that thing with in Matt I trust. Right. I I I think that's, 100%. I think how good he was yesterday has swayed the way that people think about that poll. I totally think so. And I know it's complicated. And Rule wants to build his staff around the people that he can trust. But losing Mickey could be detrimental to recruiting. At least in the short term. In the short term, yes, but also in Okay, that's a great way to put it. In in the two years that I'm looking ahead to, yeah, you're, in, in you're, the you're looking at current roster and you're looking at the recruits that are already there. You run the risk of losing yeah. some of those guys, two, if not a good a good two, amount. Two guys just this morning Correct. asked me that are being recruited. Mm -hmm. Have I talked? Have I talked to Coach Joseph yet? No. 
Caleb, I have not talked to, <laughs> I have not talked to Coach Joseph well, you wake yet. up. You wake up with one in the morning. You know, but so I, it matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't. But this is also a fan base. But, that, in the, but I think it's more in the short term than the long term. And, but this is a fan base that really has drawn a good connection to Mickey Joseph oh, after yeah. taking over. Well, so you run the risk of taking heat from the fan base, especially if he goes on somewhere else and has success. And then on top of that, you're missing out on one of the most authentic coaches to come through this program in a long time. Yeah, listen. And I'm not saying Matt, uh, Matt Rule isn't that guy either. I'm just uh, – I get it. This is so hard for me because mm-hmm. I'm wearing multiple hats, but I'm just one person. Yes, I understand what you're saying. I do. And you're also talking to somebody that has, obviously, an extremely good relationship with Coach Joseph. And I'm right? not blowing smoke here when I'm what I'm saying. Like, I – wholeheartedly believe no, that he I, needs to be a part of this staff. I understand. I understand. It would be – selfishly, it would be a dream team, right? At least how I'm looking at it. Because you would immediately continue your momentum in the Metro, the state of Nebraska. I, I think you would be a step closer to being able to keep guys like Vince Ginta and Kenny Wilhite, who understand this state extremely well. So selfishly, because I think it's for the good of Nebraska in the short term, I'm all for it. I, I do respect Coach Rule and his decision-making because if I'm trusting him, I'm trusting him completely. I'm not just going to say, hey, listen, I'm riding with you, but only if you're a good steward of this. Like, if you're a good steward, I'm, I'm – I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to support you regardless. But I'm, I would be sitting – I'm crazy if I tell you I don't want Coach Joseph around because it's not only good for me. I think it's good mm-hmm. for the immediate future of Nebraska as well. But maybe – and I don't know. Maybe that's not going to be good for Coach Rule. I have no idea. And I'm hopeful that the outside noise doesn't drive decision-making. I know that – has Did Coach bled. give you that impression? No. But, no. I'm sa- but I'm also saying, like, I know that has bled before. Yeah. And it, it has found its way, it, you know, through a river into some other, you know, portion of water that it shouldn't be put in. So I, I don't want that to become a factor. The only thing I want to become a factor is Mickey Joseph on this staff. I, re- I, I just can't say it enough. I think he needs to be there. And I, I know a lot of people out there agree with me. But it's strictly because of his relationship building and how he connects with athletes and so, players. So here's the thing. Uh, so there's, there's two things at play here. Number one, there's that. And that's fantastic. But I think the thing that has really rallied the Coach Joseph mass, masses, not just because he's one of our own, he got this team – to hang in there during an all-time low. And what do we as a state gravitate towards? Hardworking, being loyal, salt of the earth, Nebraska nice. He embodied that. So he captured a state. And with the culmination of beating Iowa, you were so close. And it was like the little engine that could. And I was, it was driving me crazy because – I don't care about close wins. I don't care about big losses. I want to win. So the whole close win-loss thing was driving me bonkers. But I could see I was blown away. Every time I would talk to 
to be to Ben McLaughlin on the radio network show, I would say, I can't believe he's getting these guys to rally. Have you seen these? Pre- like, it's a great point. It's a really, really good point. He was getting these guys to rally and compete every day at practice without the big prize to play for. He made it about self-worth. And when you start talking to me about self-worth and being other-centered and the university, like, I'm going to rally around that because that's what I believe. And not only that, you, you mentioned it perfectly when you, when you talk about, like, the team itself. But when we focus even more on the fan base here, it, just look at the polar opposite differences from Mickey Joseph and Scott Frost. When they saw Scott Frost on the sidelines early on this season, he didn't look engaged in the game. He didn't look like he had a lot of passion for what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, Mickey Joseph comes in and he looks like he drank five Red Bulls before he got on the sidelines. And he's fist pumping. He's grabbing guys' shoulder pads, hyping them up. How is Nebraska being competitive with, with Clement and Ernest Hausman and... Luke Gifford's got to play a new position, and but it all started. You're playing without Brock Bando sometimes. You got to play Latovsky. Like it all started when that, that window was, was opened, right? Some of the things that they were piecing together is crazy because it started with him investing in people. When I tell you, if a guy stops a staff meeting because players are knocking on the window, guys, take five. I need for these. I need to talk to these guys. He comes back in the staff meeting and he says, "Hey, listen, they need to understand that they're the most important people in the building." Whoa, whoa what? What? Okay, that's why they play the way that yeah. they did. Eight 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 six three eight four eight seven six. If you want to get involved in this conversation on coffee and cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, we have a caller, Lance, on line one. He believes Mickey and Bill Bush should be kept. Yeah, good call on Bill Bush. Lance, what's up, buddy? Good hey, morning. Guys. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, um, keeping Coach Joseph, I think, is imperative. We need to talk about people that know the program or know what's going on with the program. His his big benefit is uh, being connected to players and parents. I think that the parents really like him. They bought into him. Uh, they trust him. And I think uh, he's the guy that uh, you want to keep around because that helps keep those kids on campus. Uh, with Bill Bush, I look at the work he did in the last 20 years recruiting at all his stops. And I think the best job done this year was with that defense uh, and the changes they end season. Uh, I don't agree. think anyone guessed, would have guessed that they'd be successful if they were, given when they made the changes. So I think at that point, you have a guy that wants to be here who recruits well, who works hard. you got to keep both of them. Hey, Lance, let me ask you something, because you don't mind a good debate. What would you say to people that said, hey, let's get over it? They're not the only ones. Um, I, I think that's being caught up in the Kool-Aid. I think uh, there are other guys that do really good jobs, um, but I think with Mickey you have the chance to keep a lot of people that are here here um, because these are kids that will have offers from all over. And I think when you were a player, a lot of people that wanted to transfer looked home, and mom and dad were like, no. You go go eat it, and I think with Mickey, you 
those parents really do trust that, hey, Mickey's going to look out for you. Got it. Lance brought up a great point that there, too. Fantastic. Oh, at the appreciate be- that, Lance. At the beginning when he said uh, the importance on the short term, right? And we go back to what you said. And then it made me think about, yes, there's so much importance on the short term and retaining some of the, the future recruits and maybe players on the current roster and relationships within the building, outside of the building. But how – the likelihood of it paying off is greater than it not right? By keeping Mickey on staff. It's more likely to turn into a long-term successful plan by keeping Mickey than it is just on the short term. Yeah, and I think about guys like Norelli and and Prohaska, and and maybe they aren't intrinsically connected to Mickey, but it certainly wouldn't hurt. You could get a Kevin Williams back, and with new offensive line coaching, man, that's a decent start uh, in terms of what you have to work with. You'd stand a lot better chance to retain Anthony Grant. You could continue to let him grow and evolve in the running back process. A.J. Allen stands a better chance. Casey Thompson stands a better chance. I get what Lance is saying. See, Lance is saying when he says Kool-Aid, I don't think he's taking a shot at being in love with what Matt Rule had to say yesterday because I am too. What I think he's saying is, is with Mickey, you're getting the known don't roll the dice thinking it's going to be best case scenario if you think go get somebody else. Like I think that And you know if track I, record agree proved, or disagree, I I think that's what Lance is if saying. If track record proved that you didn't have to do that, it would make sense to say yes, we put all faith in Matt Rule no matter what. We don't need a known. We're okay with the unknown because we know it's and he, worked it before. And it didn't sound like recently. Lance said Kool-Aid. I think he's thinking blind mm-hmm. another word for that would be blind faith. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's believing in the things you have yet to see. And some people can operate like that and function just fine. I think Lance is saying, uh, let's go with what we know. And let's speculate here a little bit because do you know who was at the press conference yesterday? None other than Casey Thompson. Yeah, I saw him up there. Well, they had met, he and Charles and had met there were, earlier. There were a bunch of people up there too, like a oh, bunch of players. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you look at – this team this year, no doubt, nobody can argue that the best chance Nebraska had in every football game was when Casey Thompson was playing quarterback. No zero question. No doubt. Zero question. So when you look ahead to the future now, that's kind of what people are grasping onto, the known again. So is it a good thing that you see Casey Thompson there? Or is it a, hey, Especially I just Especially on check the heels out. of reading like the Spencer Rattler reports and, you know, some Nebraska yeah. fans are yeah. like, no. What's the realization on that? Right. You know, but, hey, it's, it's hard. I, I, I asked this a couple years ago with the transfer portal rules and NIL coming around, and I said, is this fan base ready to cheer for players that they aren't emotionally invested in? I think a fan base, this fan base, is ready to cheer for a winning team. No matter what. Mm. So I would say if it, if it meant this team's winning, no doubt. How about this one? Fantastic question from Eric. He says, what do you think the risk of division if MJ stays? I'm hopeful it can work if he stays, but the risk is division of loyalty and the risk outweighs the benefits for me. Eric, that's a fantastic question, but let me tell you something. Hold that thought. We've got to go to break. We'll I'm going to answer the question on the vision of loyalty. 
with regards to the Supergirl. We'll do that first, and then we'll have a little fun before we talk to Angelique Gallus a little bit later on in the show. So all of that coming up next right here on Hail Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Board. board in the house and I'm yeah. in the house board. Board and I'm in the house and I'm in the house board. <laughs> I jumped way too ahead. No, I haven't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. The kids are listening to it. I don't know. I think it was on TikTok or something. Well, that doesn't shock me that you've heard it then. Wow. This dude lives on TikTok. That is true. I Listen, man, I don't get to be a good cook overnight. Well, and fair point. Absolutely. I watch Gordon Ramsay videos all the time. Not only are you He's on. He's mean-spirited, man. Which oh, is man. why I love it. Oh, wow. man. Super apple. sarcastic. I, words I would never say. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Not only are you on TikTok, though, DB's on Twitter at Damon Benning, and plenty of people have reached out to you, whether it's in the past, throughout the show, and one person in particular reached out to you regarding loyalty when it came to Matt Rule and Mickey Joseph. Read the question again one more yeah, time. Yeah, Eric. So Eric hit me on Twitter, and he said, what do you think of the risk of division if MJ stays? I'm hopeful it can work out if he stays, but the risk of division of loyalty and the risk outweighs the benefits to me. And I, I get that on the surface, but let me tell you something. And, and this is after just having had another conversation with Coach Joseph, literally. So, and I thought this before. The one thing that you get with Mickey that is hard to believe unless you've seen it unfold close is this whole thing has never been about him. Never. He wouldn't have gone through what he went through early in the season before they made the change if it was just about him. Listen to what I'm telling you. He would not have gone through what he was going through in the offseason and early in the season if it was just about Coach Joseph. If it was about loyalty or division of loyalty, it would have started long before Coach Rule. So one thing that I don't ever question about Mickey is his commitment to kids. And more importantly, his commitment to the University of Nebraska and hopefully um, they're they'll be doing their thing I mean he's got a big conversation coming up here but I hope that he echoes those sentiments because whatever's supposed to happen will happen I don't have any idea and I'm telling you I'm as close to it as anybody and I still don't have any idea what's going to happen but I'll tell Eric you don't have to worry about a one-upper kind of thing or a loyalty kind of thing because my man is through and through Nebraska. He will not leave the state of Nebraska for another assistant coaching job. Listen to what I'm telling you. He will not leave the state of Nebraska for another assistant coaching job. The only way that he would leave the state of Nebraska if he doesn't have the opportunity to coach here is for a head coaching job. There it is. I f I, and I firmly believe that. Because he loves the University of Nebraska. It's not a – this whole thing hasn't been about him. You can't – you guys can see this. You, you can't pull off mm -hmm. what they pulled off with that staff and be selfish. Because 
Like, what was he getting out of it? According to some, he was never supposed to be the guy. He was selfish. just a placeholder. If he felt like he, if he was a placeholder and he was selfish, he wouldn't have been the guy that he was behind the scenes and coaching. The other adults in the room, the other coaches aren't going to rally for him if he's being selfish. So he's not going to start now. It would have been much easier to make it about him pre-coach rule than post-coach rule. He doesn't rule. care about the money either. And, no. And that's this is something uh, I want to bring up here. Which is making me mad. I don't because know why so people many, are saying that. So many people are like, I can't fathom paying seven figures for a non-coordinator. And here's where I'm at with this. Look, Mickey knows what he's worth. He knows what at, he brings. 100%. And he knows what he would sacrifice to either still be here if he wanted to or if he wanted to go elsewhere. It's like I said yesterday, right? I support Mickey with whatever he wants to do. I, and that's how I can separate Nebraska so, from Coach Joseph. So like, don't think about money. It's not like he's going to go meet with Matt Rule at some point and he's going to get offered $300,000 to do a job. No, Matt Rule knows what Mickey Joseph's worth if he wants to keep Mickey Joseph on staff. Yeah. But Mickey Joseph's not going into that conversation thinking, I want $1.2 million to be a recruiting coordinator, associate head coach, whatever it is. Completely agree. So uh, my, toss that out. Toss that out the window. Don't even think about that. That's – that's, it's a matter of Mickey and Matt and Trev talking about money. It's, it, nobody else needs to talk about that type of money because Mickey will stay here if he wants to stay here. Yeah. End of story. Zero question in my mind. That's true. Hey, let's have some fun before we uh, wrap this thing up and uh, have a conversation. It's a good question by Eric because I think – Great question. I, think and a I appreciate lot of that interaction. I think a lot of people think what he had the stones to ask. 100%. Eric, thanks for joining us there. Michigan beat, beat writer Angelique Shingalis. I'm going to get that right. Angelique Shingalis will be coming up next, but let's play One's Gotta Go. So, Shane, you have some prompts in front of you. Thank you for sending in your questions. Toss them our way. Shane will play. Okay, One's Gotta Go. Your phone, hot showers, or the internet. Although cold showers are better for you, at least that's what I've heard. Hot showers. Oh, I get used to it. Just give me like a couple of days. I'll, I'll leave my phone and just hope I have Wi-Fi everywhere I go. For sure hot showers, no brakes. I can't, I can't forego them. <laughs> yeah, this morning you'd have been, you'd have been curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! One's gotta go Batman, Goodell, Panther, So the commissioners. Yep. Silver men. Adam Silver? Adam Silver. Yeah, Silver. Now we're not saving Silver men? Nope. No. Unless, unless, Adam unless Silver. you're tossing him away, so maybe I'm Silver, Batman, Goodell. It's Manfred for me. Got me. Correct. That is, that's the only right answer. That's the only answer. The, he's the guy of the four People that likes his mistakes. own. He's the only guy of the four that likes his sport the least. <laughs> People have all made their mistakes. Yeah. Regarding commissioners, I actually think Silver's the best out of that group. And Batman has, like, had a resurgence. Yeah, he uh, was four at the or five years. Oh, yeah. But after watching Manfred deal with the Astros scandal no, and not, no, not no do question. anything about it, I lost all respect for that guy. Complete agreement. Okay, so one's got to go. Good credit, no taxes, no student loans. 
Well, for me, I don't have student loans. I don't have student loans. Either. So I'm going to go with that. I know people out there do, and it's probably a better problem. So one's got to go? Yeah, yeah. one's so got to go. No student, no student loans? Oh, or, or maybe in general. Like, well, no, that wouldn't make sense, because how, how do people go to college if they're not getting student loans? <laughs> Unless they're saying college Yeah, I got to think about this. If you live in uh, Iowa, that's Oh, so I shouldn't say no student loans should go, because if I don't have You don't have, have student loans. So I'm yeah. going to say taxes. Okay. How are we gonna run the country? Great point. We don't need like it's not feasible. We 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 tried socialism. It doesn't work. That's just just in the matter of 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 our la la land. I'm gonna say no taxes. Fudge. That is tough. I'm I mean, going student can, loans. You can't get rid of good credit. I'm going. I'm going <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, no question. I know what you're saying about taxes, but in my sunshine, lollipops, and rainbow. I'm land, going student loans. Okay. They, that can go. All right. Let's get one more in here. No uh, one's got to go. Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Independence Day. If Halloween. We, if we get rid of Thanksgiving, Halloween. Do you lose football? Uh, do, you, do you lose everything that day? Halloween. I'd, I'd get rid of Halloween, too. James, throw one more in. Okay, one's got to go. Will Smith, Chris Rock, The Rock, Kevin Hart. One more time. Uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock, The Rock, or Kevin Hart. The little man. Chris Rock, Will Smith. I'm getting rid of Chris Rock. Oh, time out, time out. Hold on, hold I had, on. I have to. Hold we got to go to break. <laughs> One more time, Shane. You're going Chris Rock over Kevin Hart. I love Kevin Hart. One more time, Shane. Will Smith, Chris Rock, The Rock. The Rock. You're getting rid of The Rock over... Yeah, bye-bye. I love The Rock. Peace, peace out. Hey, up next, we have, uh, we're have we going to talk Michigan with Angelique Shingalis, Michigan beat writer. She's next on Hail Varsity Radio. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hail Varsity Radio alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, rounding out the 8 o'clock hour with Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News, Angelique Chingalis. Angelique, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. I've been up early, had a, had a uh, phone interview with a coach. At, uh, first he said 6 a.m. and then he's like, 7 a.m. I'll be good. So I'm like, great. <laughs> Must be rough covering teams in back-to-back -back years <laughs> playing for Big Ten championships. Angelique, you you've been so close to this, and you've seen the you know the COVID discussion. And you and I talked a couple years ago, and it's like, well, Harbaugh's not going anywhere unless he wants to. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. And two years removed, he's playing for another Big Ten championship. Isn't this just the way all the fans in Ann Arbor drew it up? Oh, 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 yeah, absolutely, yeah. When they saw that two and four season, and, and then the whole, uh, what you know, what's gonna, what's going on with the Jim Harbaugh contract, and and what's still the AD doing, you know, yeah, no one saw this coming. I certainly didn't. Um, and when I think back to it, I try to like, you know, I'm trying to put my finger on where it started, and I really think. Aiden Hutchinson, now playing with the Detroit Lions, was the catalyst, or a catalyst, and a big one. That got this thing going, he set the tone, he was a legacy, his dad was a captain at Michigan in early 90s, and I really think he helped kind of set things in motion, at least for the, from the player's side of things. Not only did nobody expect that, but also 
not a lot of people expected Michigan to win by 21 plus against Ohio State <laughs> last weekend. What was it like uh, for this team taking down the Buckeyes at home? How thrilling was it for them? And was it a monkey off the back moment knowing that they were finally able to take care of business away from Ann Arbor in that matchup? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had written that day, uh, the last time Michigan had won in Columbus was 2000. And yes, you know, 2016 was close uh, with the, the big the big play from JT Barrett. But um, yeah, I think it really exercised some demons. And you've got to win at your rival on the road. And, and it had been a long, long drought for them. Uh, I don't think anyone saw a 21-plus point, point um, win by Michigan. I, I don't think. I certainly didn't. I, th- I had... Ohio State winning this game, and just the way Michigan did it, it, it was it was very much a blueprint for how this season has gone. They've been a such a strong second half team, except for the Illinois game. You know that that they struggled in that game the week before Ohio State, but the rest of the season, you know, they have been putting teams away in the second half, and and that's what they did in Columbus. And uh, you know, I, I you asked about the reaction to it. I I looked up. For my story, I was filing, and I see them running with the flag to plant it in the block O. And, you know, that's one of those in-your-face moments that maybe comes back to bite them. I don't know. But that was, I think, that moment felt like it, they were really just, yeah, everything was off their shoulders at that point I by remember, doing that. I was doing the broadcast for the Michigan-Nebraska game, and I, about, oh, halfway through the third quarter, I said to my partner, Greg Sharp, I said, hey, no disrespect to Blake Corum, but all these backs kind of look alike. Very quick, <laughs> downhill, they get small in the hole, they fall forward. And I couldn't, I was losing discernible difference, even though I think Corum is fantastic. Donovan Edwards did not disappoint. When you look at the transformation of Michigan, how much was it Coach Harbaugh's willingness to hire to be different and get guys like Mike Hart to change over offensive line play, to to move on from Gaddis, not by choice necessarily, but, I mean, he got rid of Don Brown. He's pushed all the right buttons in the last couple of years from a staff standpoint. You are spot on, and and I really meant to, to touch on the the coaching changes um, as as part of the reason why things have flipped. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, hiring a guy like Mike Hart, who 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 bleeds Michigan, yeah. and, and Ron Bellamy, black guys who had who had been in the program, and you know, Jim Harbaugh hadn't really had that on his staff. He had Tyrone Wheatley early on, and, and that relationship didn't work. It didn't click. And, you know, he brought these guys in. He also has some, some analysts who are former Michigan guys. Doug Mallory on the defensive side. Fred Jackson this year, who had been on, on all those staffs at Michigan uh, until Jim Harbaugh got there. So I think he really, he really did hit a lot of the right buttons there. And, you know, when you look at these running backs, uh, I was talking to Ron English this morning, Purdue's defensive coordinator who had been at, at Michigan, for five years, and mm. and he was saying, you know, these guys look like Mike Hart did. You know, they they yes. they run like he yes. did, and that's that's a high compliment. And you're right, Donovan Edwards adds a different wrinkle than Blake. Blake, he's you know, when he has two good hands, he's very effective as a receiver out of the backfield, and he's a very smooth runner, very quick. He's a little bit bigger. You know, he's six one. He's about two two o five, so he's a little taller than Blake. 
but uh, but he's running harder, you know, and I think that is part of the Mike Hart effect for sure. Angelique, I've been saying from the very beginning to DB that Blake Corum is a Heisman caliber running back, and I thought, you know, if he would have stayed healthy most of this year, if not the whole year, he would have had a really good chance of winning the Heisman. But, of course, the rise of Caleb Williams as of late kind of put that mm-hmm. at rest. But just talk about how much of a skill player he is and a threat that he is for this team. I know that you, Michigan has a, a great core of running backs, and they really can go any direction. But when you insert Blake Corum into the conversation at all times, it's almost like if, if I was on the defensive side of the ball, I'd be nervous at, uh, that he's running my way. Oh, for sure. And and that was one thing that Mike Hart said a couple weeks ago, is he wasn't sure coming into this season. You know, they they had replaced Hassan Haskins, and I, and I thought that was almost that was a, a big bigger one. hole than the one that Aiden and David Ojabo left on the defensive side. And, you know, he wasn't, Mike Hart said he wasn't sure that Blake Corum could handle, be, be a third down back. And Blake Corum gained 12 pounds in the offseason. He made himself more durable and, and retained his quickness. And, and, you know, right away, my car realized, okay, this guy is an every down back and can do the things that he does. And he is, he's a bulldozer. And I think everybody saw Hassan Haskins carrying piles of players last year. And Blake has replicated that a few times. And, you know, he does, he, he really does check all the boxes. And, and, you know, maybe he's not, he's not the biggest back, but he plays very big. And, you know, I think it, the proof is, is what you've seen in the stats, and I agree with you. He was definitely in Heisman Trophy contention. Um, you know, it's hard for a running back these days to win that award, but, um, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate that the injury happened in the, late in the first half against Illinois because it, it really would have been interesting to see how this would have evolved for, for Blake Quorum in terms of the Heisman. Weird to talk about with Michigan just because they're so good up front offensively and defensively on the lines, but – I feel like I watched this secondary mature before my very eyes all season. Whether it's their tackling toughness, their ability to win some 50-50 balls. They obviously had their hands full on Saturday with a talented bunch. But, boy, this secondary has evolved into a tough group. It has. And, you know, you talked about the coaching changes. I think Steve Klinkscale was such a huge addition to the staff coming from Kentucky Guy grew up in Ohio, so he knows the. He's a Youngstown guy. guy. He's he tough. That rivalry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know that, that's exactly right. That is a, that is a you know people don't uh, if they don't understand the Youngstown toughness, then they're they're missing out. But um, you know he's got he he had a young guy out there, a freshman, their five star Will Johnson was playing a ton of snaps at, at Ohio State. Rod Moore is a guy, another Ohio guy, and. and Jim Harbaugh keeps saying he wishes he had multiple Rod Moores just because of the way he, he tackles and hits. And, you know, you look at Mike Sandra still. I mean, what a what a brilliant move in this in spring to take him, a guy who'd been a receiver three seasons at Michigan, and make him suddenly uh, a nickel corner. And, and I think everybody saw what, effect, what an effect he had on the game on Saturday. And, and you know, it is. I agree with you. It's, it, you know, I haven't, they have given up some big plays. They definitely have, but I think as a defense as a whole, they really stop teams when they need to. And you know, there were you can look at the first half against Penn State. There was a big play by by uh, Sean Clifford and, and a couple other games, and certainly this Ohio State game. They hit some big plays in the first half, but Michigan's defense has been able to shut it down when they've had to force field goals. You know, kept them out of the end zone a couple times last weekend. 
Angelique, one more quick one here before we let you go. We've got about a minute 50 left in the show. Mm-hmm. One win away from securing their spot in the college football playoff. With how things have shaken out, do you think the current top four teams are right where they should be? I think so. I mean, you know, I think there will be an argument for Ohio State if things fall into place for them. I think that a lot of people are talking about that, and that would be interesting. But, um, you know, the, the rankings come out tonight. Tuesday night, and and I'm I'm interested to see where Ohio State falls and Alabama falls in the in the rankings, not falling, but where the, where they are in the rankings, and uh, certainly Ohio State will fall. But um, yeah, I mean I think so. I mean USC is really strong right now, and and yeah. Georgia, you know, people can say oh it wasn't a great game last weekend, but they're still Georgia. So yeah, I think it's it's what I think it's what the rankings reflect. Angelique, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully we talk to you sooner down the road. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Angelique. Thank you. That's Angelique Shingalis. She is at Shingalis on Twitter. Give her a follow, Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News. Last-minute thoughts for you, DB, at all? Coaching matters. Coaching matters. I mean, people – and I liked Gaddis, right? He goes to Miami and it's like, oh, it's a coup. Then it's – you know, you lose a court. Wait, Jim Harbaugh would let a – a good defensive coach going to see his brother like he's in Baltimore. He wondered what was going on. Coach Harbaugh's hires are underappreciated and he's hit home runs. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll be back tomorrow Wednesday for more content. We'll figure it out as we go. If you're itching for more though, head over to your favorite podcast app and check out Morning Dump, Benning Bites, and Sports Six Pack. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal coming your way later this afternoon on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream powered by Currency.